This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Friday, April 17th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle. I am joined by Jonah Booker. Jay Book, the beat goes on for the Buckeyes on the recruiting front. Tunmisi Adelaide, the number four strong side defensive end in the country, number 41 overall player in the country in the 2021 class, has committed to the Buckeyes. A very high four-star recruit knocking on the door to be a five-star I mean, this is just unbelievable. He is the 16th player in the Buckeyes class now. I mean, this they pretty much have the number one class on lockdown. Now the question is going to be, will this be the best class ever? But just in general, your thoughts on Adelaide becoming a Buckeye? Yeah, it's, it's huge, big time. I know this was a kid uh, that Ohio State was always in the thick of things. A lot of people believe that Florida – um, and Oklahoma were major contenders here. The one thing that really surprised me was this this kid was pretty adamant throughout the process that uh, August was probably going to be his decision date or time, and he wasn't going to move that up. But all, out of nowhere, um, major boom comes. You're talking about the number four defensive end in the country, 41, 41st ranked player um, in all of uh, high school. And the thing about him is he is an elite pass rusher and pair him with with the guys that they already have with Jack Sawyer and then you had you also throw in Mike Hall a massive defensive tackle there and this could be in a historic defensive line hall for Larry Johnson and the, the thing that you really like about him is he said on Twitter now um, this week that he has an 84 inch uh, wingspan, which is massive, um, 6'3", 240 with the frame to really put on some more weight. Uh, just getting two top-end defensive ends who can get after the quarterback is going to create a lot of problems for the Big Ten. And it doesn't seem like it's going to slow down anytime soon. As you retweeted yesterday, Steve Wiltfong, the Fong, who comes on the Bucknotes Morning 5 every Thursday to spread wisdom. <laughs> I mean, he did a story on, like, the top, what was that? I don't even know if it was 20. I think it was less than that. That's, like, the top, like, 15 or so players that are uncommitted still in the top 247. So, basically, you know, a lot of these guys are, you know, top 30 players. Or in the case of JT, top one player. Or JC Latham, top three player. Emeka Ibuka, top nine player. So, Steve Wilfong does the story. He's got JT Tumaloal leaning toward the Buckeyes. He has JC Latham leaning toward the Buckeyes. And he has Emeka Ibuka leaning toward the Buckeyes, all guys who are ranked as top 10 overall recruits in the nation, not at their position, as overall recruits, period. This is getting insane. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, it's it's a time to be alive if you're uh, an Ohio State fan. And then you also throw into the mix uh, Tywon Malone, the number five defensive tackle in the country, 53rd overall player in the country out of New Jersey. He has a 100% crystal ball. That's a massive one-technique defensive tackle that's already at 300 pounds. So you pair him with JT Tiamalu, the number one player in the country. That's what I said. This defensive line hall, it could be historic. Uh, right now, I know Bill Bank Green has JT in the class. He's kind of, um, you know, hedging his bet there with uh, uh, Amika because he thinks that Clemson's a major player. He's been calling J.C. Latham uh, to the Buckeyes for the longest period of time here. So right now, this thing's been Ohio State sitting pretty. I know with the West Coast guys, they were planning that unofficial visit to Ohio State in April. Unfortunately, that didn't happen. But the fact that Ohio State is still sitting in a good position with those guys, even with them uh, not stepping foot on campus this spring, tells you that they're in a, a really, really good position. And if they can back for an official visit this fall, I think they have a legitimate shot to do a clean sweep out west. Switching gears from recruiting, Ryan Day held a teleconference on Wednesday. Always gracious with his time. He's on there for 45 minutes. He thanks us at the end. I mean, he's just, I, I just love this guy in all respects. You know, I know you followed along and you read some of the stories. You might have even listened to the whole press. Or just uh, what are some of the things that stood out to you from Ryan Day's Wednesday press conference? Yeah, I love when Ryan Day meets with the media. With the media, it's not like a, a, just a cookie cutter press conference. He really gets into uh, the muck with you guys, and I really appreciate that about him. Uh, just a couple things, just writing down my notes um, from that press conference is Trey Sermon, him touching on him. I thought it was really cool that he mentioned uh, they had really good conversations with the Oklahoma staff and the Oklahoma staff. Uh, was able to give a high recommendation for Trey Sermon, and Ohio State kind of got an update on his progression with his knee and how bad the actual uh, ACL tear was. And Oklahoma said that he's uh, pretty much on the right track, a good kid as far as a teammate in the locker room and an even better kid off the field. So I thought that was really fascinating. Uh, Then touching on Justin Fields missing spring, not a lot – there as far as concerns because they they feel really confident in where he's at as far as progression. Obviously, you would like to see those live reps in the spring, but they touched on this saying that the, the guys behind him are the ones who are going to be hurt the most without having those reps. They have uh, continuous meetings weekly with Justin uh, just to make sure that he's doing everything that he needs to do. Um, but when it comes to the offense, uh, they, they kind of brainstorm a couple wrinkles here and there, but the way things are standing right now, just not a lot of implementation on a bunch of new stuff. Um, and then the thing for me is that everyone wants to know is if we have an actual football season, what is the game plan here? Nobody really knows because it's uncharted territory, and Ryan Day believes that there needs to be at least six weeks there in between the first game to get guys back on the campus, kind of have like an OTA, uh, OTAs type of deal where guys are just getting their legs underneath of them and then start gradually gearing up uh, the pace there as you start heading into the season. And if the season is going to be intact, you're talking about six weeks from September 5th, the opening game. So they would need to have kids backing on campus 
around uh, July July 25th or so, July 31st, to start getting them ready for the season. That's That right there tells me and gives me a little bit of hope that they can hopefully get kids back on to campus. Um, it's all going to be contingent. If the students are going to be allowed back, if the students are going to be allowed back, I think around late July you would need to have the football players reported in order to keep the season intact. You know, let's get into that to close the show here. You know, Ohio Governor Mike DeWine announced yesterday that you know May 1st Ohio is going to start to try and slowly reopen things, certain things that have been closed, and uh, you know, he, but he was clear everybody still has to do their part. Uh, we're certainly not anywhere near out of the woods yet. Um, and then, you know, slowly, you know, pull back on some of the restrictions. You know, to me, it feels like if everybody does their part through the end of May, um, which I know is still a long time off, but, you know, if we can do our part through the end of Memorial Day, things could be, we could be seeing a new normal by June, is my opinion. Just looking at some of the models out there that Governor DeWine was showing, and even in New York City, the epicenter, I mean, there everything's starting to go in the right direction, which is great news. Um, we're just spitballing here. We're not doctors. You know, I follow this pretty closely just because, you know, I mean, this is obviously the biggest news of our, well, maybe of our lifetime so far. But uh, so I've been following it very close. But just to be clear, we're not doctors. But I do want to get your opinion. What do you think, Jay Book, is the most likely scenario as you sit here right now regarding the 2020 college football season? You think we might see a truncated season? Could it be canceled? Like, just what do you think is going to happen if you had to guess? I think because we're so far out right now, and it's really hard to speculate. I know uh, guys in the media, such as Chris Fowler and Kurt Herbstreit, and other people have voiced their concerns, stating that they don't think the season will take place, or if it does, it's going to be modified. But I, I believe it's a very good sign when you have Ohio um, having a plan in place to gradually start reopening uh, the economy. And if you look at Ohio, it's pretty much a – um, Illinois, Michigan, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Indiana, Kentucky are all kind of joining together to uh, gradually start reopening things. And that's the first step there is just getting things moving in the right direction. Uh, for people in the media to be speaking in absolutes about the season potentially not happening, I think it's way too early for that. Let's see how things play out. I know there's been some banter um, about yeah, there needs to be a vaccine before students are allowed back on campus, and I I just can't see that actually happen. You know, I hope everybody wants to see a type of vaccine, but not everyone's going to have a vaccine. Not can everyone's. I jump, can I jump in real quick on that? Because I have a strong feeling yeah. about that. I I just feel like that's that shouldn't even be a topic of conversation. I mean, a vaccine, according to all the experts. The earliest we would see that would be March of 2021. What we need to have, I don't think anybody's even said, like, we need a vaccine to open schools. I mean, my wife's a high school teacher. We've been following this closely. What people are saying, though, we need widespread rapid testing. If we get, and who knows if we will, if we get widespread rapid testing, you know, by the time, you know, June rolls around or July or August, things are going to be looking really good. If we don't, things are going to be looking really bad. In my opinion, I, a vaccine, throw that out the window. We're not even going to have that till at the earliest, the experts say, until March of 2021. I just want to throw that in there. I just feel like widespread, widespread rapid testing is what this all comes down to. All right. And, the, and to me, the whole vaccine talk is kind of moving the goalposts. The, the objective, you know, with the stay-at-home order was let's flatten the curve here so that we're not spreading it. And then you start talking about a vaccine, something that, you know, needs to go through a clinical trial and everything before it's issued to the public. 
you can't have uh, the economy and sports locked down until you find a vaccine. So I think they're taking the appropriate steps right now with getting things moving slowly. And I think if, if people start getting they, – they become more confident in society that they're seeing like, hey, we're okay to start progressing a little bit forward. Then that's where you're going to have him talks about sports. I think it's going to take – professional sports to lead the way to start opening things up before college because obviously the professional sports can they can do the gambit with having games without the fans you're seeing it over in South Korea and other places where it's already started so you can do that with professional sports once you start getting a taste of that here on American soil starting to see sports that bottom line dollar when it comes to college athletics will get thirsty because the the big time uh, decision makers in college sports, they want that money. Football is the bread and butter, and it's going to generate a lot of cash revenue. So if other sports leagues are, are starting to see that TV dollar revenue flowing in, you better believe that college sports are going to want their taste of that. And I think that's when you're going to start seeing a mass movement from people yearning for college football to be played on schedule. And we finally saw a pro sports league lay out a specific schedule. The PGA Tour is going to come back in June, hopefully. That's the schedule right now. They're going to come back in mid-June. I mean, I took that as great news yesterday when they announced that. If that happens, to your point, and golf is the ultimate social distancing sport. I mean, I social distance way far away from the green and the holes anytime I play golf. But just in general, just if you're playing golf with somebody, you know, just out of, out of respect, you're social distancing. So I know golf is not football. And they're talking about coming back with no fans. But, man, if – you know, if the PGA Tour returns in June, that's really good news for a football season that could begin in September. And they could even push the college football season back to October, you know, start in October, only have, only have conference-only games. My point is, just to finish the show here for the third time, as I've said that, um, is I think if we get a PGA Tour in June and then get some of the other sports going, as you've mentioned, some of the pro sports, that will definitely open things up for college, in my opinion, if that happens. Yeah, and out here in Arizona, there's been a lot of chatter about the Major League Baseball sending all 30 teams out here to get the season started because the way things are stationed out here, you have 11 or 12 different ballparks for spring training that they can do a rotation as well as uh, Chase Field, the, the Diamondbacks' home field. So they're, this, that's all within 50 miles. So there's a lot of talk out here in the Phoenix Valley about Major League Baseball getting started out here. And if that's the case, you're going to start seeing more and more sports starting to figure out a game plan on how to get things moving because the NFL, out of all the sports, I do believe they're going to find a way to play because there's no way you can't have an NFL season. So we're talking about the NFL draft coming up next week. If there's no NFL season, what will an NFL draft look like next year? When, when when draft selections are, are determined by how teams finish in, in the regular season or in the playoffs. So the NFL will absolutely be playing football at minimum. Uh, will college football follow suit? That's to be determined. Fantastic insights as usual from Jonah Booker. Thank you, Jay Book, and thank you to all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. I appreciate it. Hope everyone has a great day and a great weekend. Let's try that Buckeye swag, best damn band in the land. Oh, <laughs>